Good to see everybody. It's a beautiful day in the low country. Can't imagine being anywhere else. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I serve as a lead pastor here at Seacoast. And if you're joining us at one of our campuses, we're glad that you're here. And I kind of didn't tell the truth about that. It's not so beautiful unless you love rain and thunderstorms. But it is great to be here. Grateful that you all made it through the rain to be here. And uh, just looking forward to our time together. Two quick announcements before I jump into the message today. Number one, if you have been coming to Seacoast very long, you know that we plant churches. It's just part of what we do. We started an organization over 15 years ago called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And so we love to plant churches all around the country and all around the world now. This weekend is a big weekend in church planting. We're planting 14 life-giving churches all across America this weekend. So yay God for that. I want to... Um, I wanna share with you where they are because you may know somebody who lives in a, a community that needs a life-giving church. And so we are planting churches this weekend, uh, Rock City Church in Westerville, Ohio, uh, Church of the Coast in St. Petersburg, Florida, Radiant Church, Macon, Georgia, Soul Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Heights Church in Bolivar, Missouri. I got that wrong last night, it's Missouri. Uh, and it's got M-O because it was the first state that started with M maybe, not Massachusetts, I don't know, whatever. Somebody corrected me during the service though and I got it right, it's Missouri. Seems like it should be Montana to me but I didn't get to pick. So, Renew Church in Washington Courthouse, Ohio, Echo Life Church in Pensacola, Florida. We have Christ Chapel at Spring Hill in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Hope City Church in Sarasota, Florida. Riverstone Chapel in Spokane, not Spokane. Uh, I've learned a lot about geography this weekend just from planting churches. Uh, Lakeside Church in Lexington, South Carolina, Go Church in Forest, Virginia, Serve City Church in Toronto, uh, Canada, and then City Life Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. So all across the country and in Canada, we're planting churches this weekend. And um, so cool, uh, if you give it all to Seacoast, a portion of every dollar that's given, we invest back into church planting because there's no better way to see lives change in communities. Stats have been done, studies have been done, and they show that uh, the, the best way to, to evangelize a new community is to plant a new church, and so excited about that. Also, um, if you're new to Seacoast, one of the things that we do is we are one church that meets on 13 different locations. So we have campuses all around the Charleston area. We have campuses in Columbia and Greenville and Asheville, North Carolina, Manning, South Carolina, uh, Irmo and uh, McClellanville and just all over the, the state. And sometimes we come together as one church and do some things together. And this weekend is the weekend that long ago before we had the weather forecasts, we planned a church-wide baptism today. And so how cool is that, that we're gonna do baptism? There's laughter in this campus because it's raining. Basically, if you go to your car after church, you're gonna get baptized. So you might as well just do it. Might as well go for it. And so uh, at all of our campuses, funny, we thought about canceling it, but last night, you know, we talked last weekend about Abram and how 
uh, we have to live through the eyes of faith and see things through the eyes of faith. And so we thought, you know what, we're gonna do it. And last night we had four or five people get baptized in the rain. And I'd encourage you, if you've made a commitment to Christ, but you've never been baptized, or maybe you'll make a commitment to Jesus today, uh, he, he tells us to, to repent and be baptized. It's the first act of obedience of saying, hey, I'm gonna identify publicly that I'm a follower of Christ. And I'm believing we're gonna have people do that all over uh, in Greenville this weekend and John's Island here in Mount Pleasant. And uh, we have towels and shirts and the whole deal. So we'll, we'll do everything you need short of hair dryers because it's gonna get wet again when you go home anyway. So just might as well knock it out. But uh, Jesus said, I was reading this, this week in our, our reading Jesus said, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. And so some of you may just pray about that. God may be calling you to do it. Your campus pastor will give you uh, more instructions on that later today. But why don't we pray before we get started just for the church plants and what God's gonna do today uh, in our churches through baptism. God, we thank you so much for the time that we have today. God, we're so grateful for the 14 churches that are being planted through the ark this weekend. And we just pray, God, for good weather in those locations. We pray for those pastors and, and the families that have committed to being a part of uh, providing a, a life-giving, hope-filled place for people in their cities. And we just pray that you would do more than they could ask or imagine, that you would blow them away by what you do in and through them, that people would be saved, that you would draw people to these churches, God. We pray for our church. We thank you for the time that we have today. God, I humbly ask you to allow me to get out of the way uh, as, as your word is preached, God, that you would speak to each of us in a powerful way. We pray for those that'll get baptized all across our campuses, that you would just, uh, Lord, lead them and that you do amazing things in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I mentioned last time I preached right after Christmas that we got a dog uh, for Christmas. We got a puppy for the kids and it's an exciting time in our lives and uh, at least for the kids and for my wife, uh, but I'm kind of coming along with, with the journey, but we talked to them about responsibility and about how we're not gonna get another uh, animal in our home until we have another. We don't have any right now except for that one, but we had in our past. And so I want y'all to be, be owning the responsibility, be able to take care of this dog and take, take the dog out and all that good stuff. Well, a, a couple weeks ago, the first two weeks were great. I mean, they were like fighting over who got to take the dog out. They were like fighting over who got to clean up the poop. It was awesome. I was like, these kids are amazing. And then, do y'all remember the, the winter blizzard of 2017 where it didn't actually storm, but, but it was cold about two weeks ago? On a Saturday morning, we had had revival, and so it was the one morning that I was able to sleep in, and Lisa was able to sleep in, and, and we wake up that morning to, to fighting, and the kids were arguing, and so I get up to find out what had, what had happened, and they had a system for taking care of the dog, which is they take turns. Well, that particular morning, it was my son's turn to take the dog out, but he slept in. My daughter, Greta Kate, who's seven, she woke up about, I don't know, an hour before Miles did, and, and Pippa, our dog, needed to go out. So she's whining, and her tail's kind of wagging, her body's wagging, like, take me out, take me out. Well, she's like, no, it's not my turn, because it's 25 degrees outside, and I don't want to do it. And so I woke up to the kids fighting. There had been an explosion in the crate. I mean, every number was represented in that crate, just to <laughs> spare you the details. And, and the kids are fighting over who's, who's supposed to take the dog out. And so I'm just like, what, are you kidding me? So I, I, frustrated, we talked to him. I said, I want y'all to go downstairs and come up with a solution that this is not gonna happen again. And so they go downstairs for a while and they come back up and they said, we have a plan. We're gonna take turns on who takes the dog out. I said, you know what, that looks, sounds a lot like the plan that got us in this problem in the first place. It's like, Pippa is not a, a chore. It's not just something you check off the list and try to explain to them that, man, when we had kids, we didn't just take turns. Like, if you needed to be cared for, we, we, we cared for you and trying to help them figure it out. But it was incredibly frustrating. And I think the thing that frustrated me the most 
is that what they were doing is they were trying to get by with the bare minimum requirement to care for this animal. Just like, we're just gonna do the least amount required of us in this moment. And what frustrated me about that is that it reminded me a lot of myself, a lot of times. I may be the only one here that sometimes in my marriage, I just kinda, I get into a coast mode and, and, I, and I just skate by, I, I don't go above and beyond what it takes to, to show my wife that I love her and that I care about her. Sometimes, and I'm sure I'm the only one here that as a parent, instead of taking my time around bedtime and, and praying with them and reading to them and, and looking into the depths of their soul to love them, I'm just like, you know what, I need you to get away, away from me. I need you to go to bed and eight o'clock needs to come as quick as it possibly can and I just kinda get into like bare minimal requirement, all right? I don't care if you brush your teeth, just go to bed, all right? Your mom's not here, just get to bed. Just transparent here. Am I the only one that gets in that mode every now and just a couple people, a couple of us? You know, we do that in our jobs sometimes. We have seasons of high motivation, but then we go, go through these seasons where we're just kind of coasting through and, and, and going with the flow. And the problem with that is that the book that we're reading together uh, runs directly contrary to that kind of lifestyle. So many stories and passages where Jesus talks to us about not just going through the motions, about going the extra mile, about serving above and beyond. And, and so I wanna talk to us today. I actually had a different message plan that I was working on. And on Tuesday morning, I read a story uh, out of the book of Genesis, chapter 24, the story of a woman named Rebecca and how she would come to meet her future husband, Isaac. And as I looked at the story, God sort of stopped me and said, I, I really want this for our church as we're still kind of kicking off a new year. That, that this would be a year that we would go the extra mile, that we would serve above and beyond. So I want us to look at the story together and see what we can learn. By the way, if you are single today, uh, maybe you're dating or you're kind of in the, a season of life where you're looking for a spouse, great passage and some great principles, but this message will apply to all of us. But let's look at the story and see what we can learn about the life that God has for us. Not out of obligation, but that if we'll live our lives in the extra mile, the things that he wants to do through us and in us in the extra mile. So here's the context before I show you the, the scripture. You guys remember Abram, we talked about him last week, and God had given him this promise that he was gonna be the father of, of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons, I am one of them. And so you guys remember that? The church people are with me, like growing up, the song. Well, it hadn't happened for him yet last week. God had given him the promise, but, but he hadn't had the fulfillment of that promise. Well, finally, through some crazy stories and, and then making some mistakes, finally, him and Sarah have a son, and his name is Isaac. And at the point of this story, Isaac has grown up now. His mom, Sarah, had passed away. And Isaac was still kind of single. He was, he was living at home, and he hadn't had a lot of luck in the dating department. I don't know why that is. It could be that he was the son of a, a wealthy home, and, and he hadn't moved out. I don't know if there was some entitlement there or what was going on. I do know that when Isaac would later have kids of his own, uh, there was one kid that was, looked more like his mom and one kid that looked more like him. And the kid that looked like him, the name that they gave him basically translates to furry. So maybe he was kind of unkempt. I don't know the deal there, but uh, look it up. Esau, that's what it translated to. Uh, but, but whatever. I mean, he's on Tinder. He's on Farmers Only, and he's just getting swipe left, swipe left, swipe left. I don't know the problem, but he's struggling struggling. And, and, and Abraham's going, okay, well, God's given me this promise. You remember that time he brought him out of the tent? We talked about last week, look up at the, at the stars. As many as the stars are in the skies are going to be your descendants. And he's like, well, I only have one star right now, and he needs to get with the program if this is going to work. And so Abraham decides he's going to help him out. 
And so he comes up with a plan where he takes a servant in his home named Eleazar. You guys remember Eleazar? He thought at one point he was gonna be the one that inherited everything, and now he's got a son. And so Eleazar is like the most faithful servant in his home, and, and he says, I'm gonna send you back to our homeland, and I want you to see if you can find a woman to become Isaac's wife. Basically, he's a biblical Chris Harrison uh, from the show that Pastor Greg loves so much, The Bachelor. Um, that, that's Eleazar. So he's a matchmaker. He's gonna go find a wife. And so let's, let's pick up the story. Genesis chapter 24, uh, verses 10 through 20, uh, 17, it's, or 27. It's quite a few verses, but hang with me. I wanna share the story, and then we'll see what we can learn together. It says, then the servant left, taking with him 10 of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. Time out, if you're single and you're dating, there's a principle there. Don't come empty-handed. Come on now, come on with some good things. He didn't show up just hoping. He came, he was prepared. He brought some good things up for the situation. And so they show up. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time that the women go out to draw water. We see again, he's smart. He's showing up in the right places. He, he knows where to potentially find somebody. And, and, and so then he prays. He prays. Again, a, a principle there. And not only for dating, but if, if you've got something that you need help with, you got, I mean, he had a task. That, there was a lot of pressure on him to find. And, and he, he stops before he does anything, he prays. And I love that because the failure to pray is the highest form of arrogance. It's basically saying, God, I don't need your help. I can do this all on my own. And so he stops and he prays. And I love his prayer because it's very specific. He didn't just pray, God, Lord, help me find a person. He knew exactly the type of person that would, that would fit in the culture and the home that Isaac was preparing. And so he, he says, Lord God, uh, my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. And, and he prays, he gets real specific. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you've chosen for your servant, Isaac. By this, I'm gonna know that you have shown kindness to my master. Very specific. Some of you are praying for your kids, for, for a spouse that they would meet. Don't just pray for a person. Pray specifically. What, what, what do you wanna see for them. Some of you are praying for your own spouse. Pray specifically. And then before he finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. How many of you wish it always happened like that? Like, I mean, before he even said amen, it's like, ta-da, there it is. My experience, it doesn't always happen that way, but this, this case, it does. And this woman, Rebecca, comes out with a jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. Weird to me a little bit, but it was culturally the way they did things back then. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her. Some of you need to get in a hurry. The, the woman's already there in your life. You need, you need to recognize that and get in a hurry. He hurried over to meet her, and he said, please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my Lord, she said, and quickly she lowered the jar out of, uh, to, to her hands and she gave him a drink, so she was probably carrying it up on her head or shoulder, lowered it down, gave him a drink, and then after she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough water for all of his camels. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. Without saying a word, 
The man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. When the camels had finished drinking, so after all of this process of, of giving these camels all the water they needed, the man took out a gold nose ring. May wanna go with another piece of jewelry just today. It was good then, it worked, but just you know, as, a, as a tip. But he takes out this nose ring weighing a, a becca and two gold bracelets, that's better, um, weighing 10 shekels. And then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she tells him who she is and she says, we have plenty of straw and food, our fodder, as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, gratitude, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and his faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. So he, he, he just stops and he worships and he says, thank you, God, for doing this. So, so what's going on here? It's a pretty self-explanatory story. Uh, Rebecca, and this was a time at night where the, the women of, of, of the homes of this land would, would come out with a bucket. Their bucket was probably bigger than this one, uh, but she was also probably stronger than I am. And so I kind of stuck with something that was more manageable for me. And, and so what she would have done is she would have been going to a, a well and she would have dropped the bucket down and gotten some water. And then she would have pulled the bucket up and, and she would have been walking over. And that's when this man rushes over, Eliezer rushes over to her and says, hey, can I have some water? And so she takes it down off of her shoulder and she, she gives him some water, it's great. And then she makes this offer that when we're just reading the scripture, we may not totally get what she does. She says, hey, can I water your camels as well? A uh, little um, reading comprehension. Does anybody remember how many camels there were? Ten. Ten, that's right, 10 camels. They've been on a long journey to, to this land, 10 camels. So, so what she would have done is she would have poured the wa extra water into a trough, walked back over, I don't know how long it was, certainly longer than what I'm doing right now, put the, the, the deal back down, got more water, pulled it back up, lugged a heavy jar of water back over towards the camels, and she would have poured water into the trough. Now, how much water does a camel drink? Well, there have been a lot of studies done on this, and, and here's what theologians would say. The, the, the amount of time that it would have taken her to fully water the 10 camels to have them finish drinking would have been a minimum of about an hour and a half. An hour and a half of, of manual labor, of walking back and forth from this well, getting water, bringing it back, serving these camels. She lived her life in the extra mile. You know, there was an expectation that she would have certainly said yes to give him water. But there was no expectation that she should do anything more than that, but, but out of the goodness of her heart and probably the way that she lived her life up to that point, she served him in the extra mile. I, I wonder where God's calling each of us to live our lives in the extra mile. I wanna show you some things that, that the Lord showed me as I was reading that story about Rebecca, but, but before we do that, what does it mean? What's the extra mile? Well, what does that look like? If I were to say, hey, where's God challenging you to live your life in the extra mile? Couple of thoughts on that. Number one, we get the saying, the extra mile from Jesus in Matthew 5, 41. This is what he said. He said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them for two miles. If anyone forces you to go for one mile, go with them two miles. What does that mean? Is he saying, hey, if you're going on a run, somebody says, hey, you know, let's go for a mile, be the person that says, no, why don't we go two? That's not what he's saying. Don't be that person. Just go one mile. Come on, we don't like you. We just wanna run one mile. Here's what he's saying. 
when Jesus lived, uh, the, the land of Israel was occupied and led by Roman, uh, so, the Roman government, the Roman Empire. And so there were these Roman soldiers that, that carried armor with them, and the armor would have weighed upwards of 100 plus pounds. And so there was a law that was in place during first century uh, Israel that said if a Roman soldier approached a native Jew, person who lived, lived, lived there from Israel, and said, I need you to carry my armor, that by law, that Jewish person had to carry that armor for one mile. Can you imagine that? I mean, I, I can't imagine they loved that law. I mean, but they realized that's just kind of a part of, of the deal, of them living there. And so they would be going about their business, doing their thing, and a Roman soldier would say, hey, you, I need you to carry my armor. And that meant they, 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 they picked up 100 pounds worth of armor, and they had to carry that thing for one mile. Literally, one mile means 1,000 left-footed steps is how they measured that. And so what they probably did is they probably grabbed their Fitbit and they said, all right, I'll carry it, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna count every step, right? One mile, 1,000 left-footed steps, 2,000 steps, one, two. And when they got to 1,000, wherever they were, middle of the road, they're gonna drop that stuff and go, there you go, I did, I did what was required of me. That's, that's kind of the way it worked. And so Jesus comes with this radical statement and says, hey, when they ask you to go a mile, here's what I want you to do. In the kingdom that I'm establishing, the way that I want you to live your lives in this kingdom is put the Fitbit away and carry it an extra mile. They say carry it one, that's what the law requires. I want you to go above and beyond that. I want you to carry it for two. Can you imagine what that would have done and said to those Roman soldiers? I wonder how many Roman soldiers, after having the expectation met and having somebody say, hey, do you mind if I, do you mind if I carry this one more mile? How many Roman soldiers saw a picture of the love of Jesus and the love of Christ in those moments? So that's, that's the extra mile. It's, it's when we, we go above and beyond what's expected, when I do more than what is expected. That's going the extra mile. And again, this Jesus, I mean, I could spend the whole day talking about how he led us into this kind of a lifestyle. He, he would say often, here's what the law says, here's what the Old Testament law says, but here's what I want you to do. For example, adultery. There's an Old Testament law that says, hey, don't commit adultery. It's, it's wrong, it's a sin to commit adultery. And he says, well, that's, that's fine, that's minimum, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that further. Don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart. You know, don't just settle for the minimum, but don't even flirt with it. Don't even look at a woman. Go the extra mile. Many times he would, he would challenge people in their giving. He'd say, yeah, the Old Testament says 10%, I get that. And sometimes he would even criticize people who kind of felt like that gained them right standing with God. He'd be like, you know what, that's great. But time after time, he would say, hey, I want you to go above and beyond that. I want you to get, sell everything that you own and give it to the poor. And he would, he would say these challenging statements. In Luke chapter 14, I think it was in yesterday's reading, uh, he, he said it again. He said, um, I should say with my notes, I'm like three pages behind here. But he said in Luke chapter 14, uh, anyone who wants to be my disciple said, you can't be my disciple unless you are willing to give up everything. Give up everything, extra mile kind of living. Uh, the, the next thing, just a thought as we kind of process, what might it look like for me to go the extra mile? It's when I say yes, when I would normally say no. When I say yes to things that I would normally say no to. Look at this verse, it's same, same uh, passage, Matthew 5, 42 says, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. He says, it may not be natural or normal for you to say yes to that, but I want you to live a life that you're, you're generous. You give to the, the poor. You give to people when they ask. If somebody needs to borrow something, you just say yes. 
go the extra mile. It's when I do more than expected, I say yes to some things I would normally say no to. It's also when I push beyond my comfort zone, when I push beyond where I'm comfortable. You know, spiritually, we've been doing that as we start this year. Uh, 21 day fast ends today at sundown. Can I get an amen and a hallelujah from some of y'all? This is kind of pushing beyond what's comfortable. Most of us aren't really naturally good at, at fasting or giving something up, but I, I kind of push beyond the revival. We did that a couple weeks ago here at the church. 28 years, we've never done anything like it, but we felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to lean in a little bit spiritually. I want you to press in and, and go beyond your comfort zone in this area of your life. Some of you just being here today, you feel like, man, I'm out of my comfort zone. You're checking out church and maybe it's not a normal thing for you and, and just being here, you're leaning in and I believe God's gonna bless you for that. I believe he's gonna do something in your life because of that. But, but we go beyond our comfort zone. I know at the gym that, that I work out in, <clears throat> when I first started going, I realized that there were a handful of people that worked out in the gym. Everybody was, you know, what, whatever, at different places in their physical fitness journey, but there were a couple people that had like these washboard, godlike abs. I mean, it was just insane. I'm like, what? When the, you know, I, I'm not gonna give them a story, but I lost my abs my sophomore year in college. Uh, they went missing, and I've never seen them again since then. And so <laughs> I go to this gym, and I'm like, man, that is amazing. These people with these amazing abs and like, I wonder what's up with that. And, and one of them is our student pastor, John Holm. It's just sickening um, look at, looking at it. It's like, come on, man. But, but what I realized is I would finish the workout that we would all do together, and I would go take a shower, and I'd go to work because I have a job, and that's what, what adults do. We go to work. And, but some of these people with the abs, they're still there. They're doing extra credit. I never liked the kids that did extra credit. Come on, I, what's up with that? But, but you don't get... Uh, certain breakthroughs unless you're willing to kind of push beyond your comfort zone. That's what they're doing. And I know that now, and knowing is half the battle. I'm not sure that I'm gonna do anything about it, but, but knowing is half the battle. <laughs> but we push beyond our comfort zone. Go the extra mile. Here, here's what I would say to you. If you're just gonna do the same things that you've always done up to this point, then don't whine or worry or wonder why, why things don't change, why you get the same results. God's calling us to lean in, to go the extra mile in the way we serve, in the way we love, in the way we grow in our faith. So where's God calling you to go the extra mile? Where is it? Is it in your family, your marriage, maybe your job at work? As we look at the story of Rebecca, I wanna show you a couple of things that as we commit to living our lives in the extra mile, a couple of things that happened in her life. The first thing is that when I go the extra mile, people will notice. People will notice. Let's go back to the story. Rebecca has begun to, to water these camels and to kind of go back and forth with this jar of water. And look what it says. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. He watched her closely. Now, at first glance, that can feel kind of weird, like an old dude kind of watching her closely, but he wasn't watching her for what she looked like, although she was a, apparently a beautiful woman. He was watching because she was doing something that caught his attention, doing something different. I imagine there were a lot of different women that were at the well that day, but, but her, there was something about her that was different, the way that she conducted herself and the way that he, she lived her life. You know, these days, people will do anything to get noticed, won't they? I mean, we'll say things that we're like, Why, where did that come from? Just to get noticed, or we'll post things to our social media accounts just to get noticed. Sometimes we'll wear things that, you know, uh, that, that should never be worn outside of the home because people are dying to get noticed. Well, what if as a church, we made a commitment to get noticed for the right kinds of things? She got noticed because she was serving. She was going the extra mile. 
What would you say that Christians are being noticed for these days? Would you say that they're being noticed for the love that they have for the world? Or would you say that we're being noticed for you know, our attitude, condescending, judging, beliefs? You know, beliefs are not the problem, by the way. We're gonna learn a lot about beliefs as we study the Bible this year. But, but what Jesus said, there was a moment after he had been ministering with his disciples, a long day, they'd traveled several miles and they, they get into this house where they're gonna spend the night before dinner. And as the guys all come in, he grabs, he grabs a bucket of water and he gets down on his knees. And this is after they had, had journeyed and their feet, I'm sure, were disgusting. And he, he begins to, to take water and soap and he washes their feet. And it's in that posture in John chapter 14 that he says, hey, listen guys, and they're all pushing back. No, 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 we should be washing your feet. And he's like, no, I wanna serve you in this way. And it's in that moment on his knees, washing their feet that he says, listen, the world's gonna know you when you do stuff like this for each other. When you serve one another in the extra mile, when you love each other, that's how the world's gonna know who I am. It's not gonna be by the stances that you take. It's gonna be by the posture in which you serve. And he called them into a life of living in the extra mile because people will notice when we serve in the extra mile. Second thought for us, my relationships flourish in the extra mile. My relationships flourish in the extra mile. So we get back to the story, have this kind of interaction at the well. Well, what would happen is eventually Eleazar would come back to her home and they would share the story with their family and it became very clear to everybody involved that God was up to something supernatural. And at the end of this chapter, here's, here's how it ends for Rebecca. It says, Isaac brought her into the tent, so she went back to, to Isaac's home and Isaac brought her into the tent after they met and uh, exchanged you know, information, went on several dates, I'm sure, but, but went into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebecca so that she became his wife and he loved her. She became his wife and, and, and he loved her. Think about this for a minute. What began as an ordinary day for Rebecca, doing what we have no indication she didn't do often, serving in the extra mile, became one of the most important days of her life. Her relationship with her, her husband was born out of a moment of serving in the extra mile. You know, her relational breakthrough, who knows how long she had been praying for that, who knows what her story was up to that point, but it happened in her serving in the extra mile. So do you want your marriage to flourish? You want your marriage to flourish? I'd encourage you, go the extra mile. I've been serving in ministry now for almost 20 years, which is hard for me to believe, but, but I've yet to come across a couple that, that the marriage fell apart because they just served each other too much. You know, it, it, relationships flourish. When we go the extra mile, when we think about their needs above our own, ultimately it's gonna lead to them feeling valued and seeing the love of Christ through us and, and relationships flourish. If some of you, maybe you're, you're single and you're, you're, you're in this season of life where you're hoping to meet the right person, can I just encourage you? If the person that you're hanging out with right now doesn't serve in the extra mile, doesn't, doesn't model that for you on a somewhat consistent basis, may, may I humbly suggest that maybe you haven't found the right person yet or maybe the timing's just not quite right. Maybe they do serve you okay, but, but when you go out to eat, the way that they talk to other people, they talk down to people who are serving them. Just fast forward a few years because you will eventually be that same role. You know, it, be careful that you don't get attached to somebody that, that's not willing to go the extra mile. 
Jesus said we should walk by faith, but not date by faith. You know, just hoping that they're gonna change one day. And what, what, what happens is marriage doesn't change people. It only magnifies our character and it magnifies the, the, those tendencies. And so I just wanna encourage you to be, to be careful, to don't get in a hurry if, if you're in that season of life. The thing that set Rebecca apart from everyone else was not necessarily her looks, although we know she was a beautiful woman. It was, it was the way that she served people in the extra mile. So I just wanna encourage you, if that's where you are today, hang out in, in places that are fertile soil for extra mile kind of serving. Maybe you wanna hang out at Adopt-A-Block up in North Charleston where the first Saturday of the month, people are going out and serving and, and connecting with people and, and serving people who are underprivileged. It may be that you wanna hang out in the children's classroom or the, the custom students where you got people who are pouring their lives into the next generation and sharing their faith and helping them grow up to learn and understand about Jesus or people who are maybe serving at a homeless shelter or even people who are serving on the dream team here, but hang out in places that are fertile ground and see if you don't notice people who are serving in the extra mile because relationships flourish when we go the extra mile. Relationships flourish, people are gonna notice one final thought, and honestly, this is my favorite. My destiny is often discovered in the extra mile. My destiny is often discovered in the extra mile. So on Tuesday morning, as I'm reading this passage of scripture, I think I mentioned I was planning on preaching on something else this week, and this, this is really what stood out to me, where I feel like God was like, hey, I want you to, I want you to take note of this. See, see, would we have ever heard of this woman named Rebecca? if she had just done what was expected of her? I don't think we would. Would we ever know who she is if it weren't for the fact that she was serving somebody, going above and beyond in the extra mile? Ultimately, that's what led her to her destiny. She's now remembered as one of the matriarchs of the faith simply because she gave some water to some animals that would never know the difference if she didn't. You know, it's cool in the story when they go back to her house and they're kind of talking this through. Before she went back to go meet Isaac, her, her mom and some of the women in her family prayed over her. And here's what they, they, they spoke over her. They blessed Rebecca and they said to her, our sister, may you increase to thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Does that promise sound vaguely familiar? Very similar to the one that God gave to Abraham, right? And, and, and serving in the extra mile, ultimately it led her to a place where that blessing became her blessing. And she became a matriarch of our faith. Did she have issues? Absolutely. If you keep reading some challenges in the parenting department, don't we all? God's not looking for perfect people though. He's looking for people who will serve in the extra mile. Her destiny was discovered because she served in the extra mile. And I think the, the reason that it, it really struck me is God reminded me of something as I was studying that passage of scripture on Tuesday morning. It was like he allowed me to look back on my life and see something about my life that I'd never really noticed before. It took me back to not long after I committed my life to Christ, I was asked to go the extra mile. I was asked to share my story, my testimony to a group of kids at a youth retreat. And I immediately, when the youth pastor asked me to do that, I said, no, I'm not gonna do that. So why not? Because I don't do that. I don't speak. And, and all through my life, people had said, hey, are you gonna be a pastor too? No, absolutely not. I'm not gonna be a pastor. Uh, but, but God had transformed my life, but I just didn't wanna do it. I didn't wanna speak. I, I felt uncomfortable doing that. And frankly, just to be honest with you, I felt like he, he was maybe fishing for something because I was a pastor's son. That, you know, I was like, I don't wanna be part of your little experiment. I, I'm not gonna do that. Thank you very much. 
But as the, the days and weeks passed, I couldn't get away from this nagging sense that I was probably supposed to do it. Several of my friends had said, hey, Josh, you really think God might be asking you to do it? And, and so eventually I was like, okay. I told the youth pastor, I'll, I'll do it. And you know what happened the moment that I said yes? I'd love to tell you that angels began to sing this amazing moment. Anxiety began to fill my spirit. I just got so nervous. I would sit down and, and try to write out my story and I, I, I couldn't write anything. In fact, I got about a month of, of very little sleep, anxiety, stress, never wrote anything down. I, I, could, I just couldn't come up with it. I felt paralyzed by this fear. It's like, man, am I supposed to be doing this? But ultimately, I, I agreed to do it, and so I go up to this trip up in, in the Boone, North Carolina, and it was on the very first day of our trip. I'm out skiing with some friends, get disconnected with them, and I get down to the bottom of the ski slope, and, and there's this girl next to me who doesn't know a soul on the trip, but she'd come with our church. Her name's Lisa. So I'm like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I, I like him, I hurried over. Uh, like Eliezer, I saw something, I hurried over, got in the line, and, and we got up on the ski lift, and and ended up, while we're on the ski lift, it broke. And so for two hours, we're sitting on the ski lift. Some of y'all have game on your own. God had to help me out big time. <laughs> and so he set things up for me. I meet this girl and we strike up this friendship. She didn't water any camels, didn't have any camels. But what she did do is, is uh, I was speaking that night. And so I, as we were kind of sitting there, I told her that and I told her I was real nervous. And she was like, well, you know what? I'd love to pray with you and help you. And why don't you just practice? You wanna tell me your story? And, and it was like on the ski lift, literally, that I did my first ever message run through. I just like practiced telling my story on her and, and told her everything about my life and what God had done and where we were. And that began a friendship. And ultimately, she became my wife. And I look at this picture that I, that I brought for you guys. And I was thinking about that this week. And everything that I love about my life, my wife and my three incredible kids were born out of me saying yes to an extra mile moment. Never really connected that until this week. God set things up. I, you don't do it for that, but in, in living our lives in the extra mile, all of a sudden, meet this woman who ultimately I fall in love with and she becomes my wife. I'm just blown away by that. Our relationships flourish in the extra mile. Well, later that night, um, on that ski trip, I ended up sharing uh, on a platform like this my, my story, and I cried through the whole thing. I, you know, sobbed and I had no idea what I was doing. But in that moment, God showed up and the Holy Spirit moved and at the end of that time, we invited people to come forward if they wanted to receive Christ and 125 students that night came forward and received Christ, just blew me away. Never felt that, a feeling like that before in my life. And I remember going to bed that night and I was talking to the youth pastor that conned me into doing this and I remember saying to him, I, you know, I don't know, um, something felt right about that. You know, it's kind of felt like maybe God was using me in a way I'd never seen him use me before. And I became open for the very first time to, to maybe this calling on my life into ministry. And every weekend that I get the opportunity to stand on this platform and, and share with a church that I love, I'm crazy about just incredible people, incredible campuses. I, I'm reminded now this week that all of that was born in the extra mile. I discovered my destiny. I discovered what God had called me to do just in this extra mile, saying yes to something that I really wanted to say no to. Everything that I love about my life today was born in an extra mile moment. What if everything that you're gonna say you love about your life tomorrow is gonna be born out of serving in the extra mile today? 
What's God saying to you? What's an area that he's calling you to go the extra mile in? Maybe it's at work. And, and, and let's just be honest. Some of you, you've got a job right now and you know it's not your forever thing. You're just kind of going through the motions right now. And what if God's saying, hey, you know what I want you to do? I want you to, I want you to take the, the step counter off. Stop just clocking in and clocking out. Get engaged. Serve the vision of this place. Do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. See if God doesn't break some things loose for you in the extra mile. Change maybe your heart or attitude. But, but if you'll serve in that way, maybe God will bring people to your business down the road that'll serve in the same capacity. But going, I'm, I'm gonna go the extra mile. Could be in your relationships. Some of you who are married and you're like, man, I'd really love to see a breakthrough here. Go the extra mile. What does that look like for you? Could be signing up for the marriage conference that we do. Some of you are like, dude, that's out of my comfort zone. It's not really something I would normally do. See if God doesn't meet you there in the extra mile. Some of us, it's just to get involved, serve in the church, use your gifts that God's given you to pour into the lives of the people that God has called us to reach here in our cities. Could just be saying, yeah, I'd love to serve. I've been coming for a while, but I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Some of you, it's gonna be getting baptized today. Like, man, talk about uncomfortable. I don't wanna do that. But, but God's saying, hey, it's a step of faith that I'm calling you to take. Got an email last night about 11.30 from someone last night at the Saturday night service. It was like, I had no idea that God was gonna call me to get baptized, but I did last night just out of an act of obedience. But where is God calling you to serve in the extra mile? If you'll do it, people will notice. Relationships will flourish. And ultimately, you might even discover why God put you on this earth as you serve other people. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that you've called us to live. You said in John 10, you came to give us life abundantly. It's not a life of going through the motions. It's a life of just adventure and abundance in you. And so God, I pray for all of us that are here today that we would be attentive to your voice and that we would say yes to your invitation into this life. Say yes to an extra mile kind of a life. God, I thank you that you're a God of the extra mile. That Lord, you went way beyond what you should have so that, that we could be saved. You, you went all the way to the cross, pouring out your life so that we could have freedom, so that we could have peace with you, so that we could have relationship. Let us be a people that lives that life out in front of our communities so that they can see who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.